All right, so we'll start, go ahead and get started. My name is Adam Holly, and we will be teaching, or my wife and I will actually be teaching this one. And the title of our class is Position for Impact, Building Trust as You Engage Your Community. Um, so I'll give you a quick introduction on my wife and I. Um, we got married 16 years ago now. Um, we have three kids. This is our, our three kids here. It's our family. Um, we have not had your typical ministry journey as we went through everything. We actually met. I went to school in Evangel um, to be an optometrist. I met Amber there. I got called into the ministry while I was there, so things kind of shifted for us. We decided to move back to Ohio, um, and then we were attending a church Warren first there. Amber had grew, grown up there. Um, we didn't know the pastor. I went to try to get back into Bible school to do it online. I did not have a pastoral reference, so I could not get into Bible school um, because my dad was my pastor growing up. When we were in college, we went to Central didn't know the pastor, and then Warren First was in a lot of transition, so didn't know the pastor there either. Um, so it was, a, it was an odd journey for us. Um, we started just serving there in the youth department as youth leaders um, with Cornell Jordan. Um, so then started my OSOM classes, started through OSOM because that was the only option I had at the point because I couldn't get into like a four-year college. Um, <clears throat> And then we actually got a job in Ravenna. It was actually Cornell's old, old church there um, that we became youth pastors there. We served there for about three years. But then we felt like God was calling us into something a little bit different. So Yeah, so this is where I get really excited. So we, um, we knew we wanted to still work with teens and with youth and with kids, but we felt like we wanted to be outside of the church bubble for a bit. And so we began to pray and look at different resources on what that looked like. And that led us to Tucson, where we became group home parents for foster kids. There's a picture up of what our family would look like most of the time. We would have 10 kids living with us um, from all different ages and backgrounds. And we had over, 200, or over 150 kids live with us in the time that we were there. And we still, on the way here, um, are having kids reach out to us. They lived with us when they were little that are now having families of their own asking difficult questions like, on the way here, one message us, you know, why did you never adopt us? And so heartbreaking, heartbreaking things. But we, we loved what we did there. We, we taught many classes. We got licensed, and we taught Love and Logic parenting classes to school districts and to um, the, the different um, low-income systems that are set up in Tucson. So we did a lot of trainings. We were senior house parents, so we would train all of the new people that would start on how to be a group home parent and how to run a family-based group home. It was not ran like a group home. It was very much a family-based one. We also ran summer programs with dinner and feeding programs in the school district where we would do like game nights and things like that, but we always fed the community. So we did a lot of things like that, but we knew when we saw what we had done there, God began to break our heart because what we were doing then, we were connecting with families. We were connecting with the broken families, but we weren't connecting them back to a church. And the organization that we had worked for had an amazing program where we would connect churches to a school district and try to marry them. And we provided everything, the food, the, all of the accessories, anything you needed to do outreach with the school district. We would diapers for um, mom, mother homes. And so many churches just said no, like no thanks. We don't want to partner because we want our name on everything. And that began to really shift things for us where we were like, you know, now we're doing all social services and no kingdom church. And so how can you do both and do it well? And that's what our heart was, and that's what broke our heart for what we do now. So we knew we wanted to have a nonprofit that focused a lot on social services, but we knew we needed the discipleship piece where they could then get connected to a home church and a home space so that we could have both. And so that's where we got really excited and began dreaming about what church planting could look like if it was done like that. So that's where we are now. So we've been doing that for um, a year and a half, almost two years. In July, it'll be two years since we planted our church. Um, we've been very, very, very submerged in our community in Newton Falls, and we love it. Yeah, so this morning, I just wanna, we just want to break some of the steps that we followed to get into the community and all the things we did. And we're going to break it into like two different sections. 
The first would be the spiritual steps, and then the second would be practical steps, because we know that ministry, and we need both for ministry, right? We can't be all spiritual and not practical, but we can't be all practical and not spiritual. So we need the both, but as we looked at everything, one of the things that, that our community had was a lack of trust for the church. Um, and if we look at trust, trust, the definition of trust is to have confidence in someone to believe that somebody is good, sincere, and honest. Well, this should be the definition of the church, right? We should all be these things to the community. But the problem is, in most communities, this isn't what the church is. The church isn't trust somebody that they that think is good, sincere, and honest. Um, we looked at a recent survey and 52% of young people who claim religious affiliations or 80% who don't rate their trust within the religious institution as a five or below. That's an alarming statistic of young people that young people just do not trust the church, the, uh, just the religious establishments. Um, and we believe that the church needs to be the primary training thing for trust, the, the for trust, and we should be building trust within the communities, within the schools, within everything that we are, we should be able to be trusted. Um, and the question is, why are we one of the least trusted places? Why is the church one of the least trusted places that we can go to? Because we should be the primary place. Because if we're not able, because for us, everything that we do is built on trust anyways, right? Because we step out on faith because we trust God. So we are built, our relationship with God is built on trust. People should be able to rely on us and trust us as well. One of the things that I first, that I firmly believe, and I'm going to go to Matthew 5:37, and it says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I think the problem with the church, lots of times our, our yeses have turned to maybes and our noes have turned to sometimes. That we haven't stuck to our yeses and our noes that we're not being the example that we're supposed to be. You know, we've, when we went to Newton Falls, we were, went to the schools, and the schools told us, you're the first church that said and did what you actually said you were going to do. Um, and, you know, there's all different, we all have good intentions, right? Our yeses come with good intentions. So I'm not saying that the church is out there putting these things out with bad intentions, but we all have good intentions. We all want to do the things, but life happens sometimes, right? And we're like, life happens. I get too busy. There's too many things that get lost in the shuffle of life. There's other things that become more important. Or let's be honest, sometimes we just forget, right? We get so busy with ministry and life and kids and everything going on in our careers that we just forget. And this morning, the first thing I want to tell you is don't say yes unless you mean yes. Yeah, so I want to talk about defining your vision. So know your church's vision. Um, as you do more in the community and the community begins to know who you are, they're going to need to know what you stand for. What does your church believe? Who, is, who are you as a church? So if you don't know what your vision is, find out. If you don't have a vision for your church and you're in a position to create the vision, define it. You need to know it. Everybody on your team needs to know it. They should be able to say it in an elevator pitch. Everybody should know your vision. You should live by your vision because you don't want to end up in a place that you didn't intend to go. And if you don't know where you're going, you will end up somewhere else or you will end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And you do not want that to happen. If you don't cast vision, somebody on your team, somebody in your congregation is going to. And so you need to know where you're going before someone else tells you where you're going. So a clear vision separates good ideas from God ideas. Measure everything to the vision. If somebody in your community may have a really great need, a really great idea, and they come to you and they share, we really want to do this. If it is not a part of your vision, the answer is easy. That's not for us. There's a church down the road. Maybe they would be willing to help you, but that is not our vision. Our mission statement is reaching people, reviving hope, realizing purpose, and renewing our community. Every single thing that comes to our, my phone rings nonstop. Every phone call I get comes back to this. If it's not one of the things in our mission statement, it's a no. It's a pass. We can't do it. We don't have time to do it. So if it's not on here and I can't do it well, it's a, it's a no. We are very laser focused with our mission. All of the outreach, all of the serving, everything we do comes back to that. 
So Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit leading in every part of our lives. Now, when we talk about saying yeses and what we say yes and no to, I understand that not everyone, or depending on what meetings you're in, you have the authority to say yes to certain things. There's things you have to go back for approval for teams and everything like that. So I'm not telling you to go out there and just say yes to all the things. But you need to be living by the Spirit when you're in meetings, when you're in all these things, because lots of times people come to us when we're not prepared. But if we're living by the Spirit, the Spirit will always give us an inkling of whether it's yes or no. In some Sometimes it's, let me see, because we don't want to say yes or no without having the God's spirit that is following us, but we need to always be living in the spirit and doing what we're supposed to be doing. I think there's some power in always being prayed up and ready so that sometimes when an opportunity comes, you don't have to say, let me see. You have a yes or a no because you're being prompted by the Holy Spirit because we walk in the Spirit always. Everything doesn't have to be a let me pray about it because we're walking with the Spirit already. Sometimes it's just a yes. And for us, when we were walking into COVID, we got a phone call on a Thursday from the school district. And they said, hey, um, I need to meet with you. I don't know. We only at this point had only ran an after school program at the school. And I had asked if we could do like a feeding program there. Um, with the cafeteria and they said no like it was a no from the school and so we had no interaction with the cafeteria team at all and they said for some reason I couldn't stop thinking about you I need to meet with you and so I went right then and she said we have to feed 500 kids by Monday breakfast lunch and dinner while while we're flattening the curve and we're not having school in the next week can you do this and I remember like not missing a beat and in my brain I was thinking there's no way that I can do this. I have zero budget for this, right? We all know our budget dictates what we say yes to. I have no budget for this. But the words out of my mouth were the Holy Spirit, and I instantly said, done. Like, yes, we'll do it. But here's the thing. I told a room full of cafeteria ladies, I can't make this happen. So I will do this. But when it's done on Monday, we are all going to sit in the same room, and you're all going to acknowledge that this was a miracle from God himself, that we didn't make this happen, that the Holy Spirit made this happen. And so we did it, and their shelves were empty, that you couldn't find any food, and we did it. And it was a miracle. And, and we were only supposed to do it for two weeks, and then it became a month, and then it was six months, and then it was a year, and then it was a year and a half. We fed over a million meals to our community. And do you know how much came out of our budget? Zero dollars. The first weekend, we had to feed 500 kids three meals for all of those days of the week, and we raised $16,000 in one weekend without even planting our church yet. We had 12 people on our plant team. We had zero dollars for a food program. But let me tell you, when God says yes, we just walk in obedience. doesn't become our problem anymore. It becomes his problem, and he is so faithful. And I could tell you story after story of his goodness that we saw through the feeding program that we were able to do. It's been amazing. So now we want to talk about some practical steps. Yeah, so the first practical step that we're going to do is who do you want to build trust with? We talked about trust. Who is it that you want to build with trust with in your community? There's a certain group that you should be focusing on depending on what your vision and where the heart is for your church. Especially in a small rural community, one of the first people that you're probably going to want to connect with is the mayor. The mayor in most small towns is typically pretty accessible, right? He's not like this high up somebody, like a larger city. You should be able to get in contact with the mayor, get a hold of him. We actually invited the mayor over to our house for dinner with his wife and him and just spent time with him just getting to know him. Um, another people, I'm not sure, Newton Falls is set up a little bit differently. There's a city manager in the city council. The city manager actually has more power than the mayor does in uh, Newton Falls. So that was someone else that we needed to get in contact with and connect with and the city council. Um, but other people that we, that we planned on being with was city buildings. We made sure that we were intentional with city, city buildings. That was the police department, the fire department, the water department, you know, everybody forgets about the water department, all the other people in town. You know, you always remember the police department or the fire department, but there are a lot of other places in your community that there are people working hard that you want to connect with in your city. So what does that look like, right? Yes, we need to introduce ourselves to them, 
but they need to see our faces. We want, when there's a tragedy in town or something happens, we want to be the person that they call. And so they're going to think of us only if they see us often. So we make ourselves regularly accessible to them. That means little things. We're taking them Easter baskets at Easter time. We're taking them goodie bags just to say Happy Valentine's Day. If there's a holiday that doesn't require a lot from our church, like a churchy holiday, like Valentine's Day, we're spending some money to do some outreach to all of those types of places. Everybody loves goodies. Everybody, it can be a card with a snack. It's amazing what just a Starbucks little frappe drink will do for these people. They just feel valuable. So we always do that. But we know that our focus and our church's focus was going to be on young families. So you got to narrow down. Where do you want your focus to be? Ours was kids. So where are we going to go to find kids? The school. And so everything we do is going to be wrapped around the school district. That's what, that's where we do most of our connections. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Yeah, so we want to break it down into five categories, and we're going to break it down into trust here. So they'll, the, we'll define it here. And the first one that we need to talk about is time. That in order, how do you build trust with somebody and get in a relationship with somebody? It takes time, right? It takes your time. It takes effort for you going out and spending time with somebody. And how can they trust you if they don't know you and they've never spent time with you? And it's more than just a saying hi to as you pass somebody. They need to actually know you and know your heart, know the heart of the church, and know what you're all about. And, you know, for our church, we just church planted a year and a half ago. I'm still bivocational. So I still work two days a week outside the home, 10 hours a day for those days. I spend usually every single Wednesday serving inside the school. So that leaves me two days for church stuff, sometimes three, depending on what's going on with Saturday, working Saturday. But I work, but I make sure there's at least one day that I'm serving inside of the, inside of the school or inside the community somewhere, because that is what's most important to us, so that they know our faces, that they see our faces, and that they can trust us. Yeah, so we mark the school as our number one priority, but what does that look like? So... We build trust in the school by doing multiple things, but I'm going to tell you what we don't do. We don't have events at our church expecting them to always come to us. We want to be in their safe space. We want to be familiar in their space. And so when we have an event, there are times we see if we can do it at the school. They know us. I don't want them to be obsessed and love my building. I want them to love our people. And so our people go to them. We need them to fall in love with our people, not our space. For us, our space is second. Our relationship is first. And so we go to them. And so what does that look like? Well, we did an after-school program. We always go to them and say, what do you need? Because, you know, as churches, we can oftentimes assume what we see the need being in the community, right? And what we've been conditioned to always do. But what is your need? And they said, we need an after-school program. So we ran an after-school program for about 75 kids. That was before COVID. Once COVID happened, we still have not been able to have the permission to regain like that. But, you know, the school, um, once we did this, then, of course, we did the feeding program with the school as well. Um, We do a kid's closet. So this is, yeah, this is just another picture of the feeding that we did weekly. Every Tuesday we gave out boxes of food. Um, But we also do Coke giveaways. So maybe you don't, a lot of churches will have Coke giveaways at their facility, right? They'll set up tons of coats in their their fellowship hall and people can come get Coke. And maybe you have some that come and maybe it's a trickle people in and out. What if you took the coats to the school? Your name is still going to be attached just differently. So we don't just set our coats there, but like conference, the first conferences of the school year happen in October. So we're going to set coats up in October on tables when you first walk in. Guess what? When they walk into the school, they don't see the teachers first. They see our church first. We have all of the coats out there, usually about 75 to 100 coats. They can get coats, socks, gloves, deodorant, shampoo, body wash, conditioner, all of the things and a pamphlet for our church if they ask. But they're seeing us every time they come to the school for a parent night, they're seeing us there. We run a hygiene closet at the school where we have 
Um, kids have access to any bath stuff anytime they need. So it's a, a little office space the school gave us. The kids can help themselves in and out to get whatever they need. We also have clothes there. Um, one of the things the school said where kids are having a lot of accidents. We need pants for little boys and underwear. And so our church keeps the closet supplied with pants, underwear, socks, extra shoes, winter boots, all of those practical needs for the kids. And you know, even though we're helping the kids and the families, the school is seeing us be faithful. That is one of the reasons that we do it. But then this year, we just recently started a teacher cart. This is our teacher cart. You can see it's nothing fancy. My vision for this was way better. Like, I thought I would have it decorated for each holiday and every month, but turns out it's way too much work. It already takes an entire day to do. We do kindergarten through 12th grade. We do cafeteria workers. We do janitors. We do the, any person that works in the school on those days, we're doing this for. But here's the thing. You're going to see Starbucks drinks on here. You're going to see Pepsi and Coke. You're not going to see, like, um, Fanta. No, Fago. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> we're gonna do, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah, that's right. And so we're not going to go and hand out Aldi brand chips. They're going to get Doritos. And so we throw, this is our biggest, probably the only outreach that we've actually had to pull out of our budget because we do it weekly. And it is costly. Um, to us, we have seen teachers cry. We have, last week, Adam had a teacher say, this is the only thing that fills my cup. Yeah. Yeah. And so it may just be a 20-ounce bottle of pop. But, you know, we have teachers sharing with us their illnesses, their, their pregnancy struggles. Like, it's becoming so relational. It's a beautiful one-on-one -on -one experience. I have seen churches stock the refrigerator in the break rooms for the teachers. Well, that's great. We don't want to do that. Why? Because we want to see the teacher every single week. Yeah. We want to see them face to face, knock on their door. We also then have the opportunity to wave to all of the kids in the room, and the kids will say, oh, that's the pastor that brings the food. Like, they like seeing us. And so it's been a very cool thing. The other thing we have done with a zero budget is with COVID, one of the things that the school was struggling with were school supplies. Um, the school always struggles getting enough school supplies in. If you ask your school what one of their needs are, they're going to tell you the teachers spend a ton of their own money on school supplies. Yeah. So um, we decided we would do kindergarten through fifth grade school supplies. So we did that the first year. The second year, the high school principal called and said, hey, could you do through 12th grade? Again, prayed up, ready, I knew. The school's not going to ask me to do something big and me say no. So I said yes. And again, no idea how we were going to do it. We had a little panic inside. Like, if we don't do this, it's $30,000. Our budget does, our bank account yeah. does not have $30,000 in it. How are we going to make this happen? We were able to provide school supplies every year since 2020, kindergarten through 12th grade with a zero budget to make this happen. It is incredible the miracles that can happen when you just say yes. When you're willing to work with other people, when you're willing to not care as much if it's a forward church thing, but a kingdom thing. When we're willing to say, it's not about me, it's not about my logo, it's not about my label, but it's about working for the kingdom, how much more we can accomplish when we work together. And it is a commitment. If I stood up here and said to you that this doesn't drain us, I would be lying to you. There are weeks that we look at each other on Wednesday morning and we're like, do we have to do it? Because we don't have a space in each school where we can keep the, the teacher cart. We have to go to our other school, load it all, take it to the first school, unload it all, then load it onto the cart, and then unload it all into the cart, and then take it to the next school. And it takes like eight or nine hours. And so it's an inner, this takes like 75 hours. It's so much work and it's exhausting, but we believe that the reward is worth it. We just started a new program that we knew kids were, kids are our heartbeat at our church. And so um, this is just, it's a really stinky picture, but I really have no pictures of birthday blessings because we just started it. Um, birthday blessings is a program we started for Trumbull. We started it just for Trumbull County foster kids. So every child in our county will get a birthday gift that's in the foster care system from us. Um, 
it has now went to surrounding counties, and so now we're providing birthday gifts for surrounding counties, too, that are in foster care. But foster care will always be close to our hearts. So it's really about knowing your vision, knowing who your church is, what your church's heartbeat is. Our heartbeat is always going to be foster kids. It's always going to be kids in the community that come from a low-income family. And so how can we foster what our calling is? All right, so the next one that we have is R, and it's redefine. Let me catch up with my notes. She went through a bunch. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. I really don't stay on my notes very well. I was just <laughs> yeah, saying I can make it kind of complicated to teach. Um, so the next one is redefining the church. So through all these things that we've done, um, we've had to redefine the church because the church in Newton Falls isn't defined very well. Um, it's like a lot of those statistics that they don't trust the church. So there's been a lot of redefining that we've done in these first couple years of just letting them trust. But there's a redefining that happens when people start to trust you. We will go to some place. We went to a football game, one of our kids' football games, and we were talking to one of the, the couples there that we help with Chris. We help with Christmas. We do Christmas gifts as well for about 175 kids um, that, we, that we helped with. We've helped for several years now. You know, it's actually special to us because it was the family that we have bought for every year. It was like five or six kids that we've bought for every single year. And they introduced us to somebody else, and they said, these are our pastors. And I just look at Amber. These people have never walked through our doors. These people, I've never prayed for these people. Like, these are not people that have come through the church, but we are defined as their pastors. We go to several different places, and people will say, these are our pastors. And I'm like, I don't even know what your name is. <laughs> like, you've never been through our church doors before, but we are known as the pastors for a lot of people in town who don't ever walk through a church building. Um, that's up to you, right? Okay. Well, one main thing that we hear from the schools is that the churches will promise X, Y, and Z, and if they follow through, then it's like leftovers or it's junk. Like if they donate shoes, it's the shoes they couldn't sell at their like rummage sale, and so then the shoes go to the church or to the school or anything they had left over in their cabinets that maybe they aren't going to use but aren't expired. That's what will go to like the backpack program for feeding the kids on the weekend. So things like that. I just want to encourage you not to be that church. Yeah. Yes. Do better. Expect better. Yeah. Be better. Make that so that that is not something that they will ever say about your church. Something else that we hear is that churches are judgy. We, we, we judge them before we even know them. We've had that so many times shared with us. So we have to redefine who the church has been and what the church has been to them. And we have to love them without an agenda. We did our after-school program. We did the feeding program before we had even planted the church. Nobody in our after-school program knew we were planting a church. Nobody that came through our food line knew that we were planting a church. Why? We loved without an agenda. We love you because. Period. There's no, no, no reason, no, no alternative reason. We just love you. So we have a belief system that we're trying to change, and that can be a challenge. That can be a challenge. And so we have to really work hard to redefine that. And then we're going to go to you, and that one is my favorite, under-promise and over-deliver. That kind yes. of was what we were just, we were leading into it, but this is a huge one. When you say you're going to do something, under-promise it. I'm going to do it. By best of my ability, I don't know that we have the resources to do it well, but we're going to try. We're going to try our best. And know that you're going to always over-deliver. You never want to over-promise and under-deliver. Always, always, always over-deliver. If we're saying we're going to do it, we're going to do it well. If we say we're going to do the kids' closet, guess what I don't take? Any used clothes. Because then I have to go through everybody's garage sale leftovers. If you want to donate to my kid's closet, it has to be new. If it's not new, take it to the thrift shop. I don't have the time. If I had a, a great, huge, massive team that could go through all of your things, fine. I don't. I don't have time to launder your clothes. So only new things. Set your system up for success. If you take used clothes, you're going to get everybody's used clothes. Yeah. You say gently used. Everybody's interpretation is different. 
only new clothes. If we're being the hands and feet of Jesus, should it be done any way other than excellence? I don't think so. The next one is S, and it's stay the course. And I know that it can be a roller coaster, especially in a rural community. Um, it can be a roller coaster of ups and downs, but you need to acknowledge the wins with your team. Because our team doesn't always see when we're praying with teachers outside their classrooms while their classroom is watching us pray for them. Our team doesn't always see those things, but we are always acknowledging the wins, not only with each other, but we're acknowledging them with our team also. If you have wins and you experience wins, those wins will encourage the rest of your team to keep going. And, and it gets difficult. It gets stressful. The hours and hours and hours that we pour into it when I'm working on my sermon at 3 a.m. because we spent all day at the school, it's worth it at the end. Nobody sees the hours that I put in at 3 a.m., so we share the victories, and we have to stay the course because those victories are what help us stay the course. Yeah. We just had a situation um, with, the, with the school where we went in. This was like two weeks ago. And we were kind of like, what's next, God? Like, we're kind of at this. All of our systems are running well. Like, we need, it, we need something new. You know how you get like that. Okay, what's next? And... Um, the high school principal said, hey, we have a foster girl, and she's really just struggling. She's very violent, very aggressive, very angry at her situation. And we just wanted to know if your church could offer, like, a mentor program for our junior high and high school students that are struggling. They asked us to come in and provide a mentoring program for their hurting teenagers, bringing the youth group to the school. Like, yes. Again, do I have to pray about that? Like, no. Yes. How am I going to do it? I don't have a system for that. But yes, that's incredible. But if we wouldn't be, if we weren't at the school, if we weren't always there, then would they think to ask us to come into their, their intimate spaces? We also were in the elementary school that same day, and the teachers, one of the teachers in the hallway said, you know, something that we're really struggling with right now is we have like 10 kids in the K through five building that have lost a parent in the last six months to addiction, overdoses, 10 kids. Can we start a grief support group for them? Can your church offer some kind of a grief program for these babies to, to walk through this death in a healthy way? And so this, this, I'm only sharing this with you because these are examples of how we started here. Somewhat, sometimes it feels like all you're doing is giving a bag of chips. All you're doing is handing out a bag of food. All you're doing is giving a coat, giving Christmas gifts. We're constantly doing. But now I feel like we're going into the second phase where the school is like, okay, we trust you. We trust you to meet basic needs. Now can you help us with our hearts? And so this is where the excitement happens because now it's like, oh, now I get to talk about Jesus. Now I get to talk about the healer when you're grieving. Now I get to, to connect kids with a resource that's going to help them with their anger towards the foster system. And so it's been so cool now because we're staying the course to see how God takes us from A to B. And now I can't wait to see what C is going to be. Yeah, and I think one of the things as we point this out, this has been a long process. We've been in Newton Falls for five years. We've only planted the, cheer, the, the church for a year and a half, almost two, but we've been in Newton Falls serving for five years. We were serving for three years before we ever planted the church. So this isn't like all this just happened one night. We woke up one morning and everything happened. It was three years of diligence and staying faithful over and over and over in those times. And so the last one, and you went through a lot. Yeah, yeah that's I'm right. doing good. Usually <laughs> when I speak with him, we struggle to get through all the yes. notes, but I'm talking fast. <clears throat> That's now it's my turn. Um, so the last one is trust. Once you have done all these things, then it's trust. That's where you get the trust because the trust comes at the end. The trust doesn't come at the beginning. We didn't define trust up here with the first T. It came at the bottom one. It was after we did all these things that the trust started to form. And this is the most exciting part because we earn the trust to be able to start speaking into people's lives. 
We form the relationships to be able to start speaking into people's lives, and that's come through connection and, and meeting physical needs, emotional needs, and now we're able to meet spiritual needs. Now we've put ourselves to the place where we can start with the spiritual needs and where they can start to trust God. And we did it all to begin with without an agenda. You know, so lots of times when churches has things, they're like, here, take my stuff, take my stuff. Here's a coat, but I stuffed 13 tracks inside the side of it so you'll find them later. You know, there's all those different things that we're always pushing, pushing, pushing that it's never just here, let me help you. There's always something else that we want, that we expect from it most of the time when we're doing these things. But those things will come once you've built the trust, once you've done all those things, and you've earned the right to speak into somebody's life. If you don't know anything about the generations coming up, you have to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. You don't, my title of being pastor doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that I have the right to speak into anybody's life, but that right has to be earned, and it's only earned through trust. Our, our right to speak into the schools only happened because of trust in all the times that we went and we've served in there. And that's when life change happens. Life change happens whenever they trust me and I can speak into their life. Because we serve a God who's a life-changing God, and we're walking into heavy situations. You know, Amber just spoke about the 10 people or the 10 kids who have lost a parent to overdoses. You know, one of the biggest things about Newton Falls, it's a small community, but there is a lot of drug overdoses. There's a lot of drugs that happen there. I'm not sure about your community, but it is a very, it's a, it's a lower income community. There's a lot of deep, dark, spiritual things that are happening in Newton Falls that have to be broken. And for us to be able to break that, that means that my relationship with God has to be right. Because if I'm fighting and I'm fighting some heavy, deep, spiritual darkness I have to be prayed up when I'm going into the school because I have no idea what's happening when I'm going in there. I have to make sure that my prayer life is good. I have to make sure that my time that I'm spending with God is good, that this is good because this out here would not be good if this is not good. Because if we are expecting to go into our rural communities, going to the places where they know your face, for most of you, if you've been there, you're in a small community, they know who you are, they know what kind of life you're living outside of the church, so don't try to speak into their life if you're not living the life that you should be living because they know how you're living anyways. Everyone knows in a small community who's living what life and what they're living. You know, when all that happens, we can see the brokenness healed. We can see the chains broken. And this morning, as we were sitting in the beginning session, and I'm going to piggyback off of Pastor John this morning. You know, for a lot of us, we read the Bible and we read all the miracles that God did in the Bible. And we think, well, that, those were Bible times, right? Lots of times, we don't see miracles like that happening. Because we have been willing to say yes. 2020, at the very beginning of 2020... I felt like for us as our plant team, I told our plant team, this is a year of yes for us. I had no idea what that meant. I did not know there was a pandemic coming. I did not know that we would be asked to feed the 500 kids the million meals. But I knew that God was placing inside of my heart for our team to say yes. That what, that's what made it so easy when she went into that meeting and they said we have to feed all these kids. It was easy to say yes because God had already told us to say yes. But if we're just willing to say yes to God, God will provide the miracles. When I step out and God's in front and saying, you know what, God will do this, God will step out with me. That when I step out and say yes, I'm not stepping out and saying yes by myself. I can tell you from a dollar perspective, we have probably poured $3 million into Newton Falls and not spent hardly maybe maybe $10,000 of the $3 million that we've been able to pour into Newton Falls. That's through food. That's through Christmas gifts. That's through clothing. That's through school supplies. That's through all these different things. And the only way it's possible is because of God. Because God's miracles show up over and over and over if I'm willing to say yes. And I can look at my life and see how God has stepped me up to this position to be able to point to say yes to all these things because God has put me on a faith walk where I've had to say yes to small things. So this morning, if it's you, I would say, I would say if God is telling you to say yes to a small thing, that yes, that small to that yes thing is going to prepare you for a yes to a big thing later. 
That if you've walked through a lot of things in your life, maybe your life, you've walked through a lot of things, you said yes, and you're like, man, I feel like my faith is here. Guess what? Your faith just continues to grow. So the next yes is bigger than the first yes. The last yes that you had, if you think, man, I don't know how I'm going to do it again, the next yes is going to probably be an even bigger yes. But God's miracle is going to be even bigger. That what God has for you in your life, God has for you for your church, and what God has for your community is even bigger than you can imagine. I can think whenever we did the feeding program, we were like, I have no idea how we're going to do this. We put it out there, and it was $17,000, and we lived off that $17,000 budget for a year and a half. We fed off that 17,000, a million meals off of like $17,000. You know, we talk about the, the two fish and the five loaves and how those were expanded. We would literally be filling bags. And as we're filling bags, and this was hours and hours that we filled bags, 500 bags that we filled. We're filling those bags a week. Yes, we're filling these bags and we'd be like, oh man, we're getting low on peanut butter. And then literally peanut butter would just walk through the door. Some of you are like, here, I got some cases of peanut butter. Yeah. Or we're getting low on cereal, and somebody would just drive by and say, here, I have cereal for you guys. It was literally God just multiplied over and over and minutes. over. Four minutes. We got till 1230. Oh. It's 15 minutes till. We, then we have 15 minutes of question okay, and answer. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> so, I'm used to us going over. See? So I'm like, yeah, don't tell me about long. time. You're the one that's always off. <laughs> Um, so I just want to challenge you this morning that if you're feeling like, man, these, these are overwhelming, these are amazing things, but these things aren't just for us, these things for you as well. That if you're willing to say, yes, God didn't say these miracles only work here, these miracles work for every single one of us. Can I just say, like when you're talking about the budget and how we only put in 17, the reason that that works with not, without having a budget and without spending any money out of your general fund is because of the trust that we have built with our community, right? So, so when we say we're doing something, we've already earned not just the school's trust, but I'm on the, Com the New Falls Commerce Association. I have no idea why I sit in those meetings because they're boring and they usually don't relate to me. But here's the thing, when I have a need or when I put on social media like, hey, this is what I need, guess who always comes and they're like, here's a check, here's this, because I'm a part of them. Because when they have an event, I go to their event. I help them with the event. I'm not going to have an Easter egg hunt if everybody else in the community is already having an Easter egg hunt. I'm going to partner with you with your Easter egg hunt. And so because we have done that for so long, we have built trust that when we're doing something, the businesses in town are helping me. The other churches in town are helping me because they see the need. They see that it's We've been faithful, so they're willing to buy into that investment. They're willing to help build something because they believe in it, because they've seen us do it. It's hard to ask somebody for money before you've done it. But once they've seen your face a million times, they know, okay, I can throw some money at this. I can throw $10,000 here. I can do this. I can throw some money here. Because we've been faithful with the petty little things. That's what matters. You know, we, when I said the Easter egg hunt, we did not do an Easter egg hunt ever since we've been there, besides on our own church on Sunday mornings for our own kids, you know, on Easter. We've never done a community Easter egg hunt because the Girl Scouts have always done it. And why? We, we never compete. Never compete. And so we've never done it. So this year, and I always want to. I'm always like, I want to do a big Easter event. So we always get creative and do a different event. But this week, the Girl Scouts... Um, coordinator called me and said, hey, we've been doing the Easter egg hunt here in town for 70 years, and we're done. And I can't think of anybody in this community that I want to take over my Easter egg hunt more than forward. Can you please take over the Easter egg hunt next year? And so I never competed, and now I'm still inheriting. You see what I'm saying? And so it's right, it's at the park across the street from our church. It's perfect. We get all of the eggs. We get all of the resources that she has. Our church doesn't have to invest anything in doing it because we always supported her in her doing it. And so build trust with other organizations that are already doing great things. Don't recreate the wheel. If the Commerce Association is having Christmas in July, guess who has to get in the dunk tank? <laughs> do I want to do it? No. It's the, it makes me more nervous than anything in the entire world. <laughs> I still do it. it. They need to see your 
having a spring peddler and all the booths are set up. I'm walking around. I might not buy anything, but they're all going to see my face. I'm going to interact with everybody. It's important. Yeah, I think even just, I think it's one of the big things is to give credit where credit's due. Because, you know, we did all this. We didn't do it with our finances and everyone else's. This was our biggest expenses for feeding. We actually went and bought T-shirts. Um, these, and these are called Families Feeding Families. This is actually our logo here. But on the back, we put every single place that helped us. Every church, the Mason's Lodge, the, the Elks Lodge, the VFW. And we listed Domino's. every single, yeah, Domino's is one of them. We listed every single one of them. We paid for all the shirts, and then we gave all the shirts out. We went to every single business and said, thank you. This is a little bit of a, uh, appreciation for what you donated, and we listed all of them on there. It was just saying thank you because, you know, you don't want to be at the church, the church in town that, that takes credit for everything that doesn't really do tons. You know what I mean? So it's giving credit where credit is due because that builds trust as well. Um, I think we're on to the question and answers. Um, I know we didn't give you maybe some life-altering stuff here, but I feel like it should be, sometimes we're just overcomers, right? We're overcomers by what? By testimony. And sometimes we need somebody else's testimony to lift us up. We need somebody else's to say, you know what? God has done this for me. He can do the same thing for you. So um, if you have any questions or anything, we would love to answer those. Um, It has been a long process. If we can just be completely honest in here, there was 12 of us when we were running the after-school program. We were calling nieces. We were calling <laughs> nephews. We were calling literally Can't anybody we could call. Yeah, you. like, we need you. And it was a long time of, I worked at Pepsi back when we first started. I was driving semi for Pepsi. I would start work at 5 a.m. I would run at work all day long to be able to get off in time. I would drive from Twinsburg to Newton Falls, which is about an hour. And then I would serve at the school for two hours, and I would put in about 14 hours a day, and you just show up over and over with the same thing on. And I think if they know how hard you're working, they're going to be willing to work as hard as you do. Adam never, Adam never as the lead pastor, if we're doing anything that we're asking anybody to serve at, 100% of the time, he's there working the entire time. First one there, last one to leave, every single time, even if it's filling Easter eggs. Like, no matter what the event is, you're gonna see him there leading the way. And so I think that's important. It's important for them to see that, okay, so even Adam values this. You know, it's not something that he can't even do. Also, celebrating the wins, the little things. We tell our team, at the beginning of all of our our meetings, we always start with, what exciting things are happening? You know, one of the wins is that 75% of our church are all of the families that we have reached with Christmas help or like, supporting them like this makes for other obstacles that we don't have time to get into in the setup of a church. But most of our, our families are families that have found Jesus through these things. And so when you're seeing the wins like that, it helps build momentum because they're seeing it often. Does yeah. that make sense? Even just like this, this picture here, we have two of the kids that were in this picture from the after school program that attend church now. So those are wins in this. This was taken way before we planted the church, but there are two of these kids who attend our church yeah. weekly. Yeah, we run about, our church is very small, but we run about 40 kids every week, and most of them are all from yeah. the things that we've done in the community. Mm-hmm. Which it gets, when you're doing these kinds of things, it gets exhausting because there have been Sundays where we have had 45 kids downstairs and 50 upstairs, 50 adults upstairs. So when you're running 60-40 usually ratio between kids and adults, it gets, it gets tiring because that's a lot of volunteers that you need downstairs. So your upstairs looks more empty because you have 12 volunteers downstairs <laughs> to manage all the kids that are downstairs. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. <laughs> I don't want it to look like 
been really like cognizant. I don't have like a lot of help. So how does that look for you? Like when you started this from scratch, like weighing your yes is hard because you can't say yes to everything being like a one to people. Yeah, you really have to narrow it down to what's the what's the main vision here? Where do I want to be? Mm -hmm. Because my phone, I, I have problems with my phone now because any given day I can get 70 text messages. And almost all of them are people needing some of either my time, a resource, money, something from me. And so I have just had to say, my phone is enough. Like if it's not, if I don't have time to deal with your message, I'm just, I might be rude, but I'm just not doing it. Because I had to have boundaries for myself because it causes me so much anxiety now. And so you just kind of have to put into some categories of where, where do I really win? What is a win for me? And maybe like sit down and really pray about like, okay, God, what are my, my three wins? And if it doesn't fall for one of those three things, then it's just a no until you can build your team. Also, maybe just building it where they already are will help. Don't feel like you always have to facilitate to show up. That helps not put so much pressure on yourself to do all of the things. You're just helping with some things. Does that help? I don't know. Two questions. Okay. Do you work? Um, I do not. Okay. <laughs> Full time for this. I, I, I was thinking that clarifies a little bit for me. Because yeah. I, I run a home daycare and there's no way I can do what you do. So yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work for me. My hands off to you. Praise God. So you can do that. Second of all, I saw the school supplies that you got. How do you, if your church is so small, how, how do you get the community to help supply those supplies for that? Because we're in a low-income community as well. Not very well off. And we have started a clothing pantry because we have a roof. It's not huge clothes. It is huge clothes because we have someone in our church who does go through it all. And we have managed to get those clothes back into the school. How do you get people to in your community to give you the finances to be able to yeah. do what you do to the school? It all starts with building those relationships because people, if I call you and say I really need something, I hardly ever ask for help. So when I ask for help, people are more likely to do it. Like, I'm not asking the business for a raffle basket. I'm not asking the businesses for a donation of a gift card to do for something. I don't ask for anything. I'm, but what I am doing is at Christmas, I'm going into the small businesses in Newton Falls and I'm buying my team gifts there versus on Amazon. And is it going to cost my budget double? Yes. A candle there is going to cost me 20 bucks. You know what I mean? But it's worth it because I'm investing into their business in December. So then when I need investment into my ministry, they can do it because I didn't ask them for something for a giveaway. I spent money in their business now on something I was going to buy anyway. But now they trust me because they see that I value them too. Does that make sense? Also, we didn't talk about this, but our ministerial association in Newton Falls, most communities have one. If you don't have one, you create one as the pastor. It has been dynamic for us. So lots of money. Our ministerial association has a chunk of money. Um, and they're very generous with it. And so they, we go to, again, another meeting that we go to that a lot of times we leave and we're like, why did we go to that? But it's empowering because guess who wrote, the first year we did it, they wrote us an $8,000 check for school supplies. The second year they did it, they wrote us another $8,000 check. And then this year, they wrote us the check for the whole thing. And so here's the thing. It's all about consistency. Right, and so the third time when we put all when they gave us the whole check, we did it as a ministerial thing, and so now their churches are also starting to shift where they're seeing what we're doing, and where it started off with some, I'm not gonna lie, there was some tension of like you guys are doing all of the things, and it caused a little bit of a a rip, caused a lot, a lot of a rip, <laughs> but now we've kind of came on the other side of it where they're like, let's partner. Yeah. Let's do this thing. And so it's been able to op offer more opportunities where then we can spend more money or do more things because they want to be a part of it. And they see we don't want to compete. My church isn't for everybody. So great. I can send them to you because I know you're a Jesus-believing church. When my church doesn't fit, I can say, hey, I know you don't love our atmosphere here. But there is one down the road that they do all hymns. 
I think you would love it. <laughs> and so, and so there's that option to be able to say, hey, we're here, to, this is kingdom work. I don't care if they all come to my church. I just want them to be in a healthy church. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's just connect people to church, right? We do a lot of, a lot of stuff through social media too. Yes. Um, so we'll put the school supplies out and literally our house will just be, we'll go walk out and there'll be 30 Amazon boxes sitting yeah. outside of our house and just show up from, I don't know where. Your social <laughs> from, media from God, is so. huge. Yeah. I would recommend if you don't have one, get one, but make sure it's done well. Yeah. Um, you want whoever's running your social media to be consistent. So like don't give 10 people access. Um, it's only, we have four administrators on there that can do messages and stuff. But I'm like, if, if, I, if somebody posts, it's me. Because it's almost like your, your social media will have a voice. And so you want them to feel like they know who they're talking to, even if it's a page. And so ours is always me, and I do videos, and I go live because you want those engagements. And videos are always going to give you more engagement. And so we use our social media to raise a ton of money, ton of money. And I don't ask for money like in a, um, I need X amount of dollars, help, help, help. Like it's more of like, here's the need. Here's our, Amazon, here's our Amazon wish list for school supplies. Yeah. And typically we have no problem getting, you know, Yeah, we rarely get checks in. We rarely get money in. It's always, here's our Amazon wish list for school supplies. Will you buy some scissors or will you buy some binders? And people are more likely to buy the things because they know exactly where it's going than write you a check. Yeah. yeah. How do you get the new clothes? Um, same thing. I have people that just really see the value in it. And so I have somebody that just buys me new underwear all the time. And to be honest, this stuff lasts a long time in our kids' closet because it's just, it's not a, especially older kid clothes, it's not like we buy it. We don't have to do it that often. Probably like every three months, it might need a couple things. But it's kind of self-sustaining. Like we, it's full, but we don't have to, we, I don't think we've ever spent any money out of the budget and, in it. And the, the thrift shop in town is ran by the Ministerial Association. And anytime he gets anything new, he gives it to us. Yep. So find out if there's a thrift store. Yeah. And if they get new things, <laughs> you want their new things. Yeah. You don't want their used things. You yeah. want their new things. We're free, but we have a thrift store. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. So just real quick, I'm not saying that say of the Lord, but have you guys thought about teaching classes online about what you just spoke on or writing a book or <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Uh, so have three. Did, uh, <laughs> and I'm not saying this like I don't know you and I may never <clears throat> see you again, but I mean, you know what I mean. Um, but you are so emotionally and spiritually whole and well and um, Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. For it's that. so timely that you would say that because last night we were I was like are we wasting our time? <laughs> I feel like everybody just, like, I feel like, does this even matter? So it's, it's good to hear that because, you know, you do get in, Satan likes to creep in with doubt, you know, and say, yeah. 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 Any other questions? Yeah, I think we have time for maybe one, maybe two okay. more. Not a question, but a thought. Like, your guys' uh, passion, yeah. I believe it's contagious. I've seen it, I've seen it in my church where the passion in my church wants me So I want to say this. You're saying that as like being in a class that we're teaching. So how do we give pe get people to give us money? Yeah. Like we're passionate about what we're doing. We're not saying like, listen, we have a need again, and we just really need to collect some coats. We're like, listen, we need some coats because we got cold kids. So who wants to buy a coat? You know what I mean? And so the passion is contagious with people. They want to be a part of something. And that's what we've realized is people want to be a part of a vision. And so when you give them something, like we have 75 kids that need a winter coat. Who wants to help? Now all of a sudden somebody's like, I'll buy 25. Because they see, okay, there's a number. There's a real face. It's not just, hey, we want to have some coats on hand. It's like we have this many coats that we need. And Christmas. I will never do, it would be easier for me to do Christmas a million different ways because we do 175 to 200 kids. I went through different systems of like, gosh, how can I make this easier on myself? But here's the thing. People want to buy for a specific kid. They want an age. They want three items they want. 
sizes up close, they want to have like something that they can see. So if I just say, I, will, I need to buy for 175 kids for Christmas, it's $100 to adopt a kid, people are like, nah. They want to do it because there's passion when you can see the face, even if they don't see the face. Does that make sense? Yeah, and even that's one of the things about our social media is we post all these pictures on there, and people are like, hey, that's the code I bought that's going out to a kid. Yes. Or the, those are, I bought those binders that are going out to somebody. So they can connect from the pictures. They can say, okay, those are the things. I see all the presents. I see they're all going out. So they see, like, not only asking, but they see us giving all that stuff away. So there's proof that it's going out to where it should be going.